say it right? You got it. Okay. <coughs> well, welcome to the line. I appreciate you guys continuing to listen and step up to the line with us and lifting the view of the skilled trades. I'm very excited today to be uh, sitting here in Atlanta, Georgia, with Scott Shilar, the CEO of Construction Ready. Scott, welcome to the line. Thank you, Joshua. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really glad that you're here. We're, we're in your Super Bowl, I believe. That's where we are right now. That's, that's exactly right, and that's a perfect description. This is our Super Bowl. We work on this all year long to get ready for this event, and that's exactly what it is. It just wrapped up, actually. Yeah, well, and, and it's... Uh, I've had a couple of podcasts here over the past couple of days, and it's interesting, uh, as it's wrapping up, it's still loud. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it doesn't stop, does yeah, it? Yeah, it does not stop. If things are happening, noise is being made. So, um, well, tell us a little bit about who you are and, and why are you here, and then I want to talk about Construction Ready itself. Absolutely. So, Scott Sheila, President and CEO of Construction Ready. So I always like to share my personal story. My, yes. my grandfather was a builder, you know, down in Florida, a residential builder. But back in the days when the builder did everything, right, he would go out and buy the land and do the concrete and everything. I mean, everything from the land up to the top of the roof. And I remember watching him and just, just really admiring. In fact, I grew up in a house that he built with his own hands. Come on. Yeah. And so I, that really, that touched me at a really deep level, I think, at a young age. The other cool thing, and you'll appreciate this. Um, I would, so, so the, the houses were always built out of concrete block in Florida. That's just how it works. And he would always have stacks of concrete block waiting to be used for the next house. Well, my friends and I would take those concrete blocks and build forts, you know, now they were, they wouldn't last very long because he'd need the block to build the house. But that was my very early introduction to the building trades. I do appreciate it. Cause I've done similar things as a child myself. <laughs> yeah. So, and so that was, you know, I, so, so that's where construction started for me. I just really yeah. always loved him and appreciated, you know, what he did, um, as a builder. Um, and then I took a little detour. I, I'm actually a writer by trade. My skilled trade really? is writing. That's what I do. Um, and so I became a sports writer. And it, it's crazy. It's like a whole separate life, right? Wow. Yeah. And so then I realized there you can only go so high as a sports writer, right? You're only going to make so much money and such. And so, um, so then I circled back to construction. Honestly, I circled back to the Associated General Contractors, worked there for a couple of years. And that's where I learned about the skilled labor shortage was listening to all of these big general contractors talking about, you know, we need more people coming into our industry. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow, this is a this is a problem. And this was probably 25 years ago yeah. that, that people started recognizing that this was going to be a problem. And, and it was because of the image of the industry and all the things yeah. that, you know, but that really for me, that's when I first heard about it was about 25 years ago. And, and I've been working on it ever since I've well, been good for you. working on it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I know we're going to talk about this, and I'm probably going to thank you like five or six different times because this is something that I really believe in. Like, it's it's in my heart. It's in my soul. It's in, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at my hand there. It's in some of the scars that I have from the work that I did years ago. Yep. And I want to lift the view of the skilled trades. I want to lift the view. And you, you touched on something that I think is really important, and that image that we have of construction. I think a lot of people misunderstand what construction really is or what it can be. They do. I think that's our biggest challenge. It isn't so much that we have a negative image, it's, it's that we don't have an image. I mean, it's kind of <laughs> zero, right? Nobody really knows, yeah. and that's what this expo is all about, is we want to help people understand you know, how vast our industry is. It's not just hammers and nails. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, there are all sorts of careers. You yeah. know, there are all sorts of career opportunities. And so 
that's, you know, to me, that's the bigger issue. It isn't that people don't want to build stuff. It's just that they don't know all the different ways that you can build cool yeah. stuff, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's our mission is to help people understand all the opportunities that are out there. Well, and I think that you have a unique understanding of it. You know, Blackline, uh, we, we have three different teams that, that do different types of work. And uh, you've actually hired the one team that our job is to promote that image. Um, and that's one of the biggest struggles that I have in talking with contractors and different people is, well, we have enough work, we have enough money, why would we pay for social media? Why would we pay to take video or photos? And it's like, because if you're not talking about the image, you know, I've, I've heard the statement when I was young, if a tree falls in the woods and no one is there, well, if you, if you do a job and, and like, we wanna avoid self-promotion, it feels wrong, but it's like, but you do need to tell people what you're doing. Absolutely. And who I, you are. That's exactly right. And, and you made the comment before that that is not our strong suit as an yeah, industry, right? It's Marketing not. is not. And I, you know, and I think part of it is we're, I think generally we're a pretty humble people in the industry, really. And I think, so it's, it's a little bit unnatural, you know, if you're humble to, to be real focused on marketing and branding and getting the message out. But I tell you where it's important is, is from a recruitment standpoint, and yeah. especially recruiting young people. They want to know who you are and what you do. And the amazing thing is we do some really cool stuff, you know, yeah. in this industry. And, and, and sometimes I think we take it for granted. We, we yeah. take for granted how cool, you know, we're sitting right across the street from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't know if you've had a chance to admire that structure. How could I miss it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, we're literally right across yeah. the street. But talk about an amazing, <laughs> exciting structure with that roof that opens up like yeah. an Oculus. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, and I had an opportunity to watch that as it was being built. We got to wow. do a lot of site tours and that stuff is just, I still get chills just yeah. thinking about being on that site as it was being built. I think sometimes we take that for granted as an industry. And so we don't do a good job of capturing that and, and sharing it, especially with young people and showing yeah, them about the opportunities. I agree. You know, it's interesting. I've had many conversations with people and, and there are people out there who have been doing this a lot longer than me and have had a lot more conversations. But in, in the conversations that I've had, and since I never had them before on a podcast, there are many to me. Um, but in those conversations, one of the things that keeps being harped on is the, the knowledge that is lost. And when you talk about that stadium, I think this is a good parallel. You know, if, if you get on YouTube or, uh, you know, Netflix or any of those things, you know, the, the streaming services... There are these different documentaries and, and shows about, you know, did aliens build the pyramids? You know, and, and I'm, I'm not touching on whether aliens are here or not. You believe whatever. <laughs> um, but I wonder, because this knowledge that is disappearing from our society, and it is disappearing, I really wonder how the pyramids were built. I wonder if they had a similar problem. You know, I, I never thought about that until you just now said that. And you can see where yeah. you, maybe they went through the same thing we're going through now where all these people were exactly. retiring and there weren't enough young people to come along and get the knowledge and it just never was passed on. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And so they may as well have been aliens, right? Because exactly. they, <laughs> they popped into Earth and they disappeared. And the knowledge went with them and yeah. how they did it. And wow. So when I you talk about, about that, that stadium and like the way that it opens and everything, and it's like there's only one way to know how to do that work. And that's to either have been mentored or trained by someone who has done it and figured it out or, or to get your hands dirty and figure it out yourself. And I've done some of the figuring out myself and it's really expensive. So you don't <laughs> want me building a stadium like that. But what you're doing here with Construction Ready, I, I have to say it's really important 
because it's it's about that knowledge not being lost. And we're going to get into that in a little bit more, but I would like to just take a minute here, and, and I do this all the time uh, on the line. This is becoming kind of a thing that I do. Um, I ask, is, what is a piece of gear or a tool that Scott uses that he cannot live without? Like, that you just... If it's if it's the one thing on the planet that you're gonna have, what is that one thing? It's my eyeglasses, and <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, and it's, I hear you. And it's so funny because you know I've I've had maybe three or four different pairs over the last 25 years, you know, and I get really kind of married to my glasses. I I've mm. tried the approach of using different ones for different settings, and that doesn't work because yeah. they all feel a little different, and I would always feel a little off balance if I was wearing a different pair every day. So I've had these for three years, and and they're comfortable, you know. Yeah. The other thing, though, I've noticed, and you probably noticed this, is it does take a minute to get, you, you know, comfortable with them. It takes a, a week or two or whatever. But once I get comfortable, it's like I forget about them. And that's yeah. where I want to be with glasses. I don't want to realize they're there. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Can't, can't do without my glasses. I've worn glasses all my life. It's interesting that you say that. I love how everybody has a different response to this. Uh, I buy mine in bulk because <laughs> I found, you know, about 15 years ago, I found a style of glasses that I finally liked and I thought was me. And, uh, you know, they they stopped making them, so I just bought them in bulk. And so it's like when they break or whatever, I send in my frames and I get my glasses, you know, so. That's funny. That's, yeah. So let's talk about uh, and just kind of break into what I really want to get into is what we're here. Like we're in, how big is this facility? Like, this is cool. You know all the facts. <laughs> so we're in this facility here. Tell me a little bit about what, What's been going on over the past couple of days? Yeah, so we're in the Georgia World Congress Center, Building A. That, that's an amazing thing. This is a this is actually the third largest complex in the United States. This, wow. This, this structure, the World Congress. We're actually in one third of the complex. We're in Building A. There's a B and a C, and this particular building has 350,000 square feet, and we've covered every inch of it, right? Wow. With, you know, well, you see, I mean, there's all sorts of equipment, uh, competitions. You know, and that's where all the sound, the noise is coming yeah. from is, is all of the, you know, kids building structures and, and welding and all sorts of different sounds, vehicles rolling around. Um, and yeah, and we, we cover every floor over the last two days. We've had over 9000 people walk through this floor and it's mostly high school students and middle school students and, and a few you saw across the way elementary yeah. students as well. They were actually some of my favorite because they just looked adorable with their hard hats walking around. Absolutely. Well, what we figured out is we gotta we gotta start as early as possible in yeah. this work. You know, in the early days of doing this, I've been at this for over 25 years. Yeah. You know, on this specific issue, in the early days, we just worked on the high school student. We focused on high school students because part of it is a little bit of impatience. You know, yeah. we wanna. We want to get them. We need them now. You know, we need them to yeah. come. And so the idea of working with elementary students is like, wow, that's like a 15-year a tail, you know, before yeah. they're going to be working in our industry. But we figured out you got to do it. You got to. Yeah. We, we started pushing down from high school and working with middle school and then in now even elementary students. And what we found over the years is that they're just, that's a great age to connect yeah. with them. And not only them, but their parents. Think about that, right? Come on, go deeper on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so parents, by the time they have high school students, they already have it all laid out. You know, they're, oh, my kid's going to college. They're getting a four-year degree. They, they have it all figured out. If you start earlier, the parents are much more impressionable. They see their yeah. young, they see the joy yeah. that comes when their second grader is is building something with their hands. They're well, that joy a, doesn't go away. I've watched some of these. Like, I can still see right now in the distance, they're competing. 
Yes. And they're loving it. Yep. Like, yeah, yeah, I so see what you're talking about. Those are the high school students. Side. They're probably doing teamworks down there. Um, and, yeah, they and that's the cool thing is once they figure out that they love it in second grade, that never goes away, to your point. They'll yeah. never forget that, right? They'll always remember the satisfaction they got, you know, building that. They were building a little bookshelf over here across the way. And and we talked to them, and they said, what are you going to do with the bookshelf? Said, oh, we're going to take it home and, and put it in our room. Well, first yeah. we're going to paint it, and then we're going to put it in our room. Wow. And so think about that, too. Now they'll always have the memory of the event and the satisfaction of building something. And the and, and the parents see that, and that's the yeah. that's the big one. Is the parents see that little Johnny or little Susie? That hey, they they came alive more than ever with this, right? And here's the other cool wrinkle: um, in the process of building, they learn the academic subjects. They learn yeah. about math, yeah, you know, and engineering and science and all of those things. And and so we're kind of teaching them in a sneaky way. We're yeah. teaching them math, and 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 I can relate to that. I mean, I. I I learn a lot better, you know, with a tape measure than I do with numerators and denominators and pencil and paper. It's all, that's all very abstract to me, but give me a tape measure and a two by four and I'm getting fractions real fast. That's the way I I learn. So it's funny that you say that. And I love how doing this, (coughs) I've always been, you know, I tell people I want to have an honest conversation. And so uh, I find myself, for me, I believe honesty is not necessarily being transparent and telling everything, but it's not hiding anything. So as you're talking, I'm reminded of, and I've even forgotten over the years, and I never thought that I would be on a podcast publishing and promoting things, you know, out on the internet. But when I was a young boy, I had a learning disability. And uh, like, it's been so long that it's not something that I really think about anymore. But for me to learn math and all of those things uh, that they discovered early on for me, Part of my learning disability was if I didn't see how it worked and I didn't have to do it with my hands, it wouldn't stay. It wouldn't resonate. And so, you know, when, when I was a kid, um, I, I remember taking algebra in high school and I'm like, this is stupid. I'm never going to use this. And then there I was three or four years later in apprenticeship and I was becoming an electrician. And I, I mean, I remember in, in high school being like X equals like who does that? That's dumb. And then there I am learning about load calculations and things like that, Ohm's law, all that stuff, and it's exactly that. It's yes. exactly that. And here's the deal. I never was able to get it in high school, but when I was in apprenticeship, I, it made sense. And it, I still remember it unlocked something in my mind. And that was huge. And a, a lot of times, I hate that we call them learning disabilities, and I'm not... I'm not about like, you know, being uh, sugarcoating things or not saying hard things, but it's like, I believe that it's a, a mis, it's a, a misclassification of something because it's not a learning disability. They just don't learn the way that person It's learns. a learning difference exactly. really is what it is. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. I was thinking the same thing as you were saying that, you know, I, I probably had the same situation you did, but I, I never labeled it or it was never labeled that way yeah. for me. I just... I think I mentioned in my LinkedIn profile, I was a BC student. And I think it's because I was being taught in a very academic way, Yeah. you know, and that's how I was being measured in a very academic way. But if you'd put me in an apprenticeship or put me, you know, in one of the classes that we have here in Georgia, it would have been a totally different thing. So I think you're exactly right. It's not a learning disability. It's, it's, a, lear- it's a learning difference. It's yeah. a, different, a different way of learning. Well, and I mean, 
I think that's something you know that we really get on. And one of the things that you guys are doing at Construction Ready, and I see it and I can speak to it because we've been here over the past couple of days, is you're promoting value in people no matter how they learn. And I think that's something as a culture and a society. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to go deeper here. You know, you have no idea the questions that I'm going to ask you. <laughs> um, but but I'm, I'm going to go deeper here. And what I want to get at, the thing that I really think is significantly different with Construction Ready that I've seen is, um, you know, when I, my kids were younger, we used to watch Mike Rowe together because it was the closest thing that I could do. You know, dirty jobs would be like, well, that's kind of like what dad does or that's, you know, I, my job was never, actually, that's not true. When I first started, I worked on treatment plants. Water, that's pretty dirty. Water and wastewater. So, <laughs> that's pretty, that's And yeah. uh, if you don't know what wastewater is, look it up. Um, <laughs> but but we, would, we would watch that. And, and Mike Rowe, recently, I had posted this on my LinkedIn. Um, and I actually don't know how recent it is because things, once they're on the Internet, they're there forever. But Mike Rowe said this. And he said that we've taken these jobs... And we've said that they are so unimportant, they are so not worth your time, that we're going to pull them out of schools. And we're just, we're, you don't even get to look at them, he said. You, you can't even see it. You're not even allowed to look at it because it's beneath you. And we've done that. And what I have seen with Construction Ready, because uh, you, you guys, like, you're a nonprofit, right? Yes, exactly. You're a nonprofit organization, and you, you're not the government, are you? That's right. You're not the government. That's right. And this is pretty significant to me, but you guys, and I'm going to ask you to talk about this, but you guys literally have said, you know what? No, not, not on my watch, you've said. And you've taken those classes that are, oh, I'm going to get, this might not air because they might take it off the internet. <laughs> because the government and all their great and glorious wisdom said, well, we're taking that out of the schools. And you've brought that back and said, hey, this is important. And you guys, what, what is it that you do? You go in and I, you work with some good people in government. We do. Because we need them. That's right. We need them. But talk about what it is that you're doing there. Yeah, so actually, you know, it's so funny. I've heard the narrative over the last decade or two that we've taken all the shop classes out of schools and we've shut all, you know, there, there are programs called Bring Back the Trades and all this. The reality here in Georgia is we never did shut down our shop classes, and partly, part, largely because of the work that construction I'm really does. I've learned so much about how cool Georgia is. Yeah. You guys are awesome. Well, and, 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 and to your point, we partner very closely with the Department of Education. They've been a wonderful partner, and I, you know, I don't know that I can put a finger on exactly why we've been able to keep, we have 150 high school construction programs in the state of Georgia. Wow. You know, that's like 15,000 students enrolled in construction training, which is which is really good, especially when you benchmark it with other states, because there have been a lot of states around the country that have shut down their programs. And so we're, we're thankful. Um, and But I do think, you know, we, we've played a role in that um, yeah. because what would happen is we would hear about, oh, they're going to shut this program down in, you know, X county in Georgia. Well, we'd mobilize. We'd get the contractors engaged. We'd Come go on. down Scott. and we'd say, hey, we can't shut the programs down because we have this labor shortage and you have all these young people who need this opportunity. So we would go to bat with the local school boards, local you know superintendent, and we'd work to keep that program open. The cool thing now is that's pretty stabilized. We're not seeing a whole lot of efforts to close programs, which is right. wonderful. The days have, have changed here recently. Yeah. We're actually seeing a more um, more systems coming to us wanting to open new programs. Yeah. And so, and to me, that's one of the most encouraging things lately is I do feel like 
there's been a shift. I yeah. feel like there's more of a focus on the skilled trades and programs, the, the career and tech ed programs that we're in more than ever. And I've been at this for 25 years, so I'm, I'm really encouraged by that. But it is a partnership. I don't want to sit here and say it's all because of Construction Ready. We yeah. partner with government agencies. We partner with employers. You saw a lot of employers out here on the floor. I mean, well, and a, I sat yeah. here with the commissioner of uh, Fulton County, yeah, Natalie which is Hall. a pretty oh, yeah. big county. Absolutely. And uh, we had a conversation, and she is like all in. I mean, she is like about what you are doing. She is about what Construction Ready is doing. She's about the trades. And if Georgia has to lead the rest of the nation, then so be it. Like, I mean, in, in all honesty, you know, uh, stepping up to the line in the way that you guys have and what you're doing and the investment that you're making in people. And, and I, I agree with you. I've seen it even in our state of Pennsylvania. I have seen people being like, you know what? We, we need to course correct here. We need to adjust. And it's like, um, you know, we, we have apprenticeships and stuff coming out of the, the, the woodwork in a good way. Yeah. And uh, I've said this a couple of times, even, even this weekend, just because I've been so surrounded with all of you like-minded people here. With, a, with something that's core in my heart uh, about lifting the view of the skilled trades. And it's like, you can go far, you can go fast alone. That's right. But you can go really far together. Exactly. And, and we, we've talked a lot about teamwork. And the interesting thing about construction is, you know, and we've said this earlier, you can't build a building without the team. I'm an electrician, and I can't wire walls if somebody didn't build them. I can't turn on the lights if somebody else didn't pour the concrete for me to work off of to, to hang them. You know, it's like, and that's that's what you're doing. And I really just, I, and I also see how you're facilitating here at this expo, bringing businesses and people to the table. Like this is, it reminds, oh, okay, so this is weird. And then I'll shut up and let you talk more. <laughs> but this is a lot like the NFL draft, but for trades, it's like, there are these, I talked with some of the businesses and they're like, oh, we're here for people, we're recruiting. <laughs> We're recruiting. We're talking them about, and the, I, I sat here with a young man who was part of the welding competition, and we had a conversation, and he's like, yep, I've already been had this many job offers by this many people, and I'm taking this one, and I'm like, that sounds a lot like NFL teams, you know, vying back and forth for the right player. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's an exact analogy that we use. You know, actually not NFL, but we look at what college, if you think about college mm. coaches, I don't know a lot about sports, so yeah. yeah. So college football coaches, the way you build a good college football program is you build relationships with the local high schools and the high school teachers and the high school coaches. And and that way, when that high school coach has a rock star on their team, they're picking up and calling their buddy the the college coach at wherever. One of the best one was uh, Pete Carroll when he was at USC. He talked about this. Basically, Pete Carroll, when he was at USC, he had the state of California locked down. So if you were a good football player in California, you were going to go play for Coach Carroll at, at USC. And it's because they focused on building relationships. And that's, yeah. that's the analogy we use with our employers is, hey, you have to build relationships with these high school construction teachers yeah. because they're, the high school teachers are with these students every day. They, knew who, they know who the rock stars are. Yeah. And if you have a good relationship with the teachers and those teachers know your company, they're picking up the phone when they have somebody who they think is a good fit. So that's an analogy we use a lot. So that's an interesting point. Like a lot of the companies that I've, so that I've talked with here uh, th- this past weekend, um, culture is something that, you know, at Blackline, we, we work with companies to help build and we talk about that with them. And, and sometimes we're like on the education front of this is why this is important. And 
everybody that's here, like I've talked with, and I don't want to name names because I've realized it's everyone. It's not just the people that I've talked to. If they're here, this is where they are. And it's like, these companies have invested in culture and they have good organizations. And so if we're, you continue with the sports team analogy, they got good ball clubs. They have good programs. They have good teams and people want to work there. I was talking with uh, a company on the, on the other side of the hall here and I started to talk with them and ask them questions about their culture. And this young woman in the back started jumping up and down because she was so excited about their culture. And it's like, that's the other thing that I think that you guys are, are bringing to the forefront because of what you talked about. You know, you're, you're making a step in this way, which is driving us to do better at building organizations that people want to work at that care about people. And I mean, kudos to you, man. I, lo I love what one of your team members said to me earlier on. We were talking upstairs, and he said, you know, you guys have a minimum standard here. They, all the companies who are there, they understand that they need to recruit young people. They need to get into the schools. That's sort of a starting point for you guys. Yeah. And, and we're here to help them raise the bar beyond that standard. It's a given that they need yeah. to be in the schools. How, now, how can we do a better job of that? How yeah. can we do a better job of building relationships with teachers? How can we do a better job of, 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 of making our job attractive to young people? Because that's really going back to our conversation about marketing and branding. That's, that's a big part of what these companies have to do, you know, especially in this environment where these, these kids are getting multiple job offers. You have to set yourself apart as a company and say, hey, we have, we have these benefits, we offer this pay, we have this training and all these opportunities. We have, you know, all these jobs coming up, so it's stability for a long time. So we, we actually did an education session here. This is our first year doing it, where we, really? uh, it, we've always been too busy on the floor to tackle this. Yeah. But but uh, John and Zach on my on my team, they said we're gonna we're gonna get the the employers in a room, and we're gonna share best practices about yeah. how do we do a better job of recruiting students. And we had about 50 employers up wow. there yesterday, and and that'll grow. We'll make that yeah. bigger and better over time, but. There, there are some good best practices out there and, and we're gonna you know, raise the bar basically is really yeah. what we're wanting to do. They, they know, companies already know, if they're here, yeah. know they gotta, they gotta get to the young people. But then how do we do a better job of that? How do we help them take that to the next level? Yeah. I mean, what you're doing is just so important. I mean, sorry, I'm distracted. <laughs> we're in a building right now and I'm looking over there and it's either a D, I think it's a D8. Oh wow. Cat <laughs> bulldozer on a low boy. <laughs> Driving out of the building. It That's is. we're closing. That's wow. Isn't That's that some? And it's wrapped. I don't know if you can see it. We're both visually challenged a little yeah. bit. I think with our glasses. Oh, the wrap that's on it's, it. It's wrapped in the American, you know, like American flags. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It's it actually is gorgeous. It's the coolest piece of equipment we've ever had on our floor. Yeah. But it is a D8. Um, it's uh, yeah. It, it's a wonderful company. It's one of those companies that gets it. I mean, talk about marketing and sizzle, right? Well, and I the mean, investment, <laughs> the investment to bring that equipment here yep. and to bring it into this facility, and then they brought people to stand here and talk with people. I was talking with another, not not that company, but another excavation company that's here, and they're like, you know, it's been raining here in Georgia for the past few weeks, um, and we really we had to think about it, but we knew we were committed. You talk about raising the bar. And they're like, we have superintendents that are here judging in the competition. And it's like, they have a job to do, and we're now finally allowed to get back to work. But she's like, it is no question that this is where they want to be. Yes. And the company is like, nope, we're focused on that. That's what we're doing. That's the kind of people that are here at this event. 
listen, that's where I want my kids to work. Yes. I want them to be a part of that. And what, what you're doing here with educating and lifting the view of the skilled trades, I mean, my goodness, Scott, you're going, you're, you're going to the, 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 you know, the elementary kids, you're, you're going to the young age and you're making that investment. I don't know if you realize this, but you're building legacy. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So we've talked a lot about workforce development and getting more people into our industry. We've kind of been talking about it from an employer perspective. I, what I love most personally about this is 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 the student perspective, right? And how yeah. we're giving hope, to, hope to young people. Well, you know, I, I'm going to share a real personal story with you. I mean, you, you said you like to be authentic and, and get I do. Deep. You do know other people do listen to this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, just it's, sure. no, no. <laughs> so, well, so earlier this week, my, my son plays baseball yeah. in, in high school. He's a 16-year-old. I got a text from him, and, and he said, hey, Dad, my, my game's been canceled this week, but, you know, that particular day. And he said the reason it was canceled is one of my teammates, his brother, committed suicide. Man. And right when I heard that, and this is a young man that, commit, that took his life, and, you know, class of 23, so he just graduated from high school last year. He was in college, but... You know, the, the, the first thing I thought of when I heard that is, is we need to give our young people hope. Yeah. We need to make sure they know that there are all these amazing opportunities and uh, out there. And I looked out over the floor, you know, and I read that text and I'm like, I know I'm doing my part to, to give young people hope in this world. It, it's yeah. a, it's a, obviously a challenging world right now, but we're doing our, our part by helping young people find hope, at least in the area of career direction yeah. and sort of guidance. And so to me, honestly, that's what motivates me more than anything else. I love this industry and I want to help our employers, but what really, if I had to boil it down to one thing, Come on, what, this really is what it's about. What really drives me is just the opportunity to help young people find, op, you know, great career options. And, and, and we know careers are important. Jobs are important. It's yeah. a big part of what we do. And so you got to, I know as a 52 year old now, you got, you're going to be spending a lot of time working. It better be something you enjoy or you yeah. get some sort of satisfaction from other than the paycheck. The paycheck's important, but it has to be more than that. And it that's does the, have to be more. That's the beauty of this event is we're helping people find that right fit. They're going to, they're going to find a good paycheck, but even more important than that, they're going to find a, a career, an industry yeah. where they can be making a difference in the world by Absolutely. building these awesome structures. So yeah. To me, it comes down to hope and giving giving our young people hope, you know, at an early stage in life, uh, so that they don't feel hopeless and they feel like they don't have any other resort. Well, you know, you, you touch on that, and I I really believe that there is hope. I believe not only is there hope, but and and I'm I'm on this like euphoric high from being here, but like, not only is there hope, but there is great opportunity, and an opportunity, like it it breeds that hope. It produces. The things that we hope for, that without the opportunity, how would there be hope? And what you do here with these young people, and you touched on that, and I've seen it. It's like they're walking around, and I was talking with a, a young woman the other day that was at one of the booths, and she said, well, I was talking with these girls, and I was like, you know, hey, so what, what is it that, that you want to do when you graduate? And she's like, oh, maybe an English major, maybe this, maybe that. And so they, they continue to talk about what the company does, and as they're talking, the girl goes, you know, a matter of fact, I don't actually know what I want to do. I didn't know that there were all these opportunities. And it's like, my goodness. And, and I, as I had the conversation with the, the young woman who, who was sharing this story with me, she said, you know, 
there is a lot of opportunity out there and there is a lot of hope out there. And she said, I'm in construction and you know what? I ain't worried, she said. I ain't worried because I know there's a career and there's a job and if I'm learning this, it's gonna be here for a long time. And you, you're highlighting that and bringing that to the kids. You're giving an opportunity here. Like you, you're facilitating this space for us to come here and promote this and to be a part of sharing hope and opportunity with the next generation. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you. It's what I take most pride in is knowing, you know, that, that we're helping a lot of people and, and, and that there's no other way that they would get this. How else would yeah. the young people, we had 6,500 young people or so coming through. How else would they be aware of all of these opportunities? I can't think of you know, I'm not sure how else they would learn about them. And so yeah. that's what makes me feel extra good about what we're able to do with this event. Well, you've literally brought job sites because that's I told you this the other day. Um, and I know we're going longer here, but we literally have brought job sites to the parents and the kids. When I was a kid, my dad was a carpenter. He took me to the job site and that was how I saw some of these things. And I learned some of these things. But you guys have brought it in and you brought it into a safe place. So mom and dad can walk their kids down through here, whether they're five or whether they're 15, you know? And that's that's a really big deal. Like, I don't know that there is another place that they could see this opportunity. Yeah. And my, my own son came along with me on this trip and he got to experience that. And it was really awesome. Like, I, I totally took advantage of what you're doing here with my son. And I walked him around to each different booth and I'm like, what do you think? What, what do you think? So I believe that we, we learn a lot by doing, we learn a lot by our mistakes. And so one of the things that we do here on the line is we talk about our mistakes. And so um, we come to that place where I'm, I'm asking you, Scott, uh, what is a mistake, and you can pass, um, but what is a mistake that you've made in your life that something where, where you feel like you, you missed it, but you learned from it? Lessons yeah. learned. Yeah, so I made a big mistake early in my career, and I'll tell you what it was. It was it was judging somebody. It was a new hire mm. who had just come in, this and I good. judged them in a certain way. You know, they, they were lower lower socioeconomic you know yeah. status, and I judged them, and and they ended up being one of our best employees. You know, and I just I I remember feeling tremendous guilt about that at the time because I judged them as they were coming in. And I yeah. put a label on them in my mind, and then they they ended up being great. They were very friendly, personal, very nice to me. And so I think that it, I'm so happy that that happened so early in my life. I was probably it was one of my first jobs out of out of school. I was probably 21 years old, so I was yeah. very young to learn that lesson. And so it taught me not to not to be so quick to judge people. Yeah, you know. Um, and 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 I'm so thankful that I learned that because the other thing is. Gosh, there are so many different types of people in the world, right? Yeah. I mean, that's to me the beauty of the industry. We have so many different opportunities yeah. for so many different types of people, right? And yeah. I think a big mistake we, we make is we, you know, we have this sort of one-size-fits-all approach for people, right? Yeah. You know, everybody's going to be a doctor. Everybody's going to be a lawyer. Everybody's going to get a four-year degree. We have to realize every individual is different, Yeah. you know, and, and that's the beauty of our industry is we can take each individual and we can find a good fit for them. But but yeah, that, that's the big one for me is being careful not to judge people too quickly, prejudge people, um, you know, get to know them, give them an opportunity, give them every benefit of the doubt. And then and because they're probably going to be a really valuable member of your team. Well, you know, there's real truth to that. My uh, business partner in the electrical company that I'd started years ago, um, 
I, I had learned that same thing, and I'm, I'm just trying to be humble here and, and follow your example. Um, some of the best guys in our company, when they started, I was like, yeah, they ain't going to last. You know, and uh, very much eating some crow, and it is humbling, but it's only humbling if we take that mistake and we look at it and we decide to learn from it. Because we don't learn from it if we don't look at it. That's the thing about mistakes. Well, Scott, um, again, thank you for uh, for inviting Blackline here to, to be a part of this. Thank you for what you have done to step up to the line more than 25 years ago. Like, seriously, thank you. Um, from a father to a father, with my son sitting over there, thank you. We really appreciate what you're doing and we're so glad to be a part of it. Tell us, what would your encouragement or motivation be for those who might be listening, wondering about hope and opportunity? Let me say this before I answer that question, if you don't mind. Oh, I don't um, mind. I want to share with you how thankful we are to have Blackline here. I, I, we've had a lot of different video companies over the years, over the 18 years of filming this, and you guys have captured this event better than anybody, better than I imagined that it could be captured, because I told people, I've always told people, you got to come see it. It's kind of like the Grand Canyon. That's the only way you can really appreciate it. But what, I, what you guys have taught me is it can be captured, and you guys have done that, and I just thank you. And I think, but I think it's two, two-pronged. You have the skill set to do it, but then the more important thing is you have the passion behind it. You know, you're not just a video company out here videoing the event you uh, are, are passionate, you're as passionate about this as we are. And so that comes through your work. Wow. Um, thank you. So, no, thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm so so happy we connected and, and uh, can't, can't wait to see the full product. I've seen little pieces along the way and I've yeah. just been blown away by what your team has done. You know, they're just there. I'll just end with this. There are so many opportunities and not just in construction. I'm yeah. obviously I'm a construction ambassador, but Every day, this morning at the breakfast, yeah, I learned about another, you know, opportunity, another type of job that I didn't even realize existed, you know. And so there are just so many opportunities in the world. There are opportunities in construction, but but construction is just one industry, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got manufacturing, transportation, all these other sectors. You know, all, always have hope and realize that there are all these awesome opportunities out there, and and just find one that's a good fit. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not all about passion, but that's a big part of it. You got to yeah. be passionate about it. You got to enjoy it. That's the other thing is, you know, yeah. it really needs to be some, but then you also have to have kind of a knack for it. Right. I, I like to play basketball, you know, but I'm, I'm not going to play for the Atlanta Hawks, you know, <laughs> so don't try to make that a career. Right. Yeah. So find, find that sort of Venn diagram of sort of passion and what are you good at? And, you know, the, the, just find that perfect, fit right yeah. and that's to me that's what i encourage young people to do is just really think about what you're good at think about what you're passionate about and then go after that with everything yeah. you've got and, and yeah. you'll be successful yeah well i th that's awesome it's great i appreciate what you're saying and if you're listening find that passion find that sweet spot that scott is talking about and go after it you know and like you said there are opportunities out there for whatever it is that you might want to be. The key is to just start it. Start it. If you're not sure, start doing something. You know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was in high school. My dad said, learn a trade. I got to wait. 
You know, there's always people more powerful than me. <laughs> I have a microphone here, and I know that that's messing with the audio. This is an authentic and real podcast. We don't edit anything. So what I'm saying is find that passion. Go after it. My father said to me, learn a trade, and then if you want to do something else, do something else. And I started as an electrician, learning as an apprentice, and now I'm on video talking with you in a state that I don't live in. I never would have imagined that. <laughs> it all started with a screwdriver and a pair of pliers. So um, I challenge you guys, follow Construction Ready online. Where can they follow you? What social media things are you guys on? Yeah, so we're on LinkedIn. We're on uh, we're on uh, Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram. Okay. I don't think we're on TikTok, but we need to get there. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Our creative director would say you do. <laughs> um, so follow them on them. You can, you can, you know, this is the line. So if you're listening to this, Go give them a shout, reshare their stuff. Uh, Scott, thank you again so much. Thank you for stepping up to the line. Those of you that are listening, step up to the line. Make a difference. Decide that this stops with you. Let the next generation, whether they're working beside you in the ditch or whether they're your child, let them know that there is opportunity and there is a hope and a future for them. So, Scott, thank you. Appreciate you. Very much. Thank you, man. Thank you so much.